Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what, when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one year old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out standingstonesupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. Being an upland hunter in the South nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20%. So that that's how we're looking at woes. We're not talking about a pretty point or anything like that. It's stop, freeze, don't move. That's it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another week of GDIY. Austin's here with me as usual. What's going on, Austin? GDIY, baby. Just here for this podcast. We're going to kill it tonight. Yeah. You want to tell everybody what we're here talking about tonight? We are going to talk about arguably the most important command for these pointing and versatile dogs. Whoa. that That's a pretty big statement right there. Hey, I like what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> woe command, guys. The woe command. Probably, but I'd say probably with the exception of force fetch, I'd say that this is probably the number one question that I hear people asking about is how and when and... Why do we train these dogs with woe? And obviously, this is more upland centric and versatile dogs, and not a whole lot of you know uh, retriever stuff. But woe is kind of the king of all commands when it comes to upland. It seems like uh, so we figure you know we're, we're going to break that down for you guys here today. But first, what's been going on? <laughs> uh, nothing, man. We you know. We uh, we completed our first month of episodes, and I think that the uh, the reception here has been pretty good so far. Honestly, people have been blowing us away. I, I think we did a lot better than what we had going into this. Our the response has been great. We've been getting a lot of messages and followers on social media, and you know we wanted to thank everybody for that. Especially being one month in, it's uh, it's been pretty uh, pretty impressive and a little humbling on our parts, to be honest. Yeah, I just want to say that I am very appreciative of everyone that's listening in. I know Nick is as well. It's been a fun experience, you know. Like we said in the intro episode, we just decided to put a mic, you know, in front of us and talk about what we usually always talk about. Yeah. So um, it's just just cool to see that other people are interested in this stuff too. Yeah. You know, the last couple of weeks we've done uh, done our first set of interviews. We had OTB, Old Timer Bill, and Charles Miller on, and the response has been great from those. People seem to really enjoy those. I think, you know, a uh, couple repeat guests maybe here in the future, uh, especially Bill. Everybody seemed to love 
love old timer Bill. What's not to love? Just old man stories, you know, going to school in the snow uphill both ways, that type of stuff. Yeah, and you know, the whole basis of this podcast is about having your own style and methods of of doing dog training and and hunting. So, Bill, he has his own style, and uh, that's what we're here to promote and and try to just let everybody know that no matter how much time you have or how you do it, you can do it. Yeah. And so I think that's why Bill's going to be a a good reoccurring guest for us. And Charles, everybody seemed to like that, you know, something different. Not, not a whole lot of people hear a lot about, uh, deer recovery and blood tracking. So that was kind of neat to step out, but guys, you know, sorry, you're, you're stuck with us, just us here again this week. So, uh, we are going to have some other, some other guests as well. Um, We've lined up some uh, some other houndsmen that we're going to have on the on the show, and they're going to break down their training stories or training uh, processes, and and give us some hunting stories as well. So uh, there'll be some coon guys, uh, squirrel guys that are out here, and just uh, we got a vet coming up. Got, yeah, got a vet coming up. So we got a good mix, good mix coming up for everybody. And then uh, we'll start off some of the uh, grouse camps and an actual you know tailgate version of, of our podcast from the field coming up here soon because hunting season's upon us man it's here it's on us man and i i was trying to get to the clays course today and of course mowing the yard and taking care of the I'm, normal stuff man. <laughs> it gets in the way so i didn't get to do it but uh i did sign up for just a fun uh, charity uh, sporting clay tournament that I'm, I'm doing with a with a team in in into September, uh, so hopefully that'll work out good. And and at the end of the day, we're just trying to get some reps uh, reps in the in the course so that we can execute in the field. Yeah. Well, first things first, we have the test at the end of September. Then that Wisconsin trip, so we'll be having a couple episodes from Wisconsin, and hopefully get uh, Norm Prima on here for for the people involved in navda there old norm old norm most most people uh they're, they're pretty familiar with norm and his you know his infectious laugh and his crazy judging stories he should be pretty interesting to hear from uh, a couple times while we're out hunting with him but uh then after that we're coming back we're we're just planning on hitting it hard when we come back we're gonna start doing these these grouse weekends out to East Tennessee and maybe Kentucky, even North Carolina here and there, just seeing what we can get into and, uh, you know, burn a lot of gas for not a whole lot of birds. Good time though. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great time, but That's all uh, you can ask for. So back on this, uh, this woe deal, we, we debated on going over this with basic obedience a few weeks ago, but when we were sitting there thinking about it, there, there wasn't enough time to discuss it. Not properly, anyway. There's a million different ways to train woe, and it seems like everybody has a million questions on it. So we're going to try and drive this home the best we know how and, and uh, from our limited experience and just talk about how we did it and discuss some of the other ways that we know other people do it from us reading it, us seeing other people do it, and... Uh, yeah, just kind of hopefully give you a couple ideas of what it's all about and uh, the, I guess, the explanation of why people train it a certain way. Right. And, uh, you know, we're not here to 
knock any particular way of why somebody does it. Except, except maybe one or two ways. Well, yeah, there, there's one, you know, I'm sure we'll hit on it eventually that, uh, guys, there's, when, when it comes to training these dogs, there's not really many things out there that you're going to hear me or Austin just flat out say, like, that doesn't make sense to us. Like, why? That's just dumb. Like, but there, there is kind of one way on this, this woe training that we might touch on eventually throughout tonight's episode that we're not here trying to offend anybody, but ultimately it just doesn't make sense to us. And so. when we get to that part, if it's the part I'm thinking about, just tell us why we're wrong, if you yep. want. Speaking I mean, on that, uh, if you want to contact us, social media, Facebook and Instagram, Gundog It Yourself. And like Austin was just saying, if you have anything specific that you would like to caveat with us, you know, piggyback on whatever, correct us. Uh, we do have an email set up. It's just gundogityourself at gmail.com. Don't. Don't hesitate to shoot us a message. It can be long-winded. I don't care. It can be a correction. It can be a suggestion. Uh, it could be just explaining why me and Austin are complete dumbasses. I don't care. Uh, but, yeah, don't be afraid to shoot us a message. It's, uh, you know, we, we don't want to piss anybody off doing this podcast, but, you know, it's it's dog training. You're going <laughs> to offend some There's people gonna here and there. There's going to be different methods that oh, everybody yeah. uses, and everyone's not going to agree. Yeah, absolutely. And we're no experts, but it just – if it doesn't make sense to uh, to the average person, you know, that's the way I look at this dog training stuff is when people explain to me how to do it or I read about it is it's got to make sense. I have to kind of understand the why more important than the how, if that makes sense. I don't know if you're the same way, but I try and break it out to where it just, in my head, if it doesn't make sense as to, you know, why it's done that way, then I don't understand how I can make it make sense to the dog. Well, even though you, I mean, we don't think like dogs, yeah. right? Well, hopefully not. <laughs> but you, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. You have to have it make sense so that you understand how to give that association to the dog, yeah. to teach the dog. And, and we'll get into that with some of these methods, you know. Um, so, uh, look, without any further ado, I guess let's just start off by defining what woe means. Okay. So why don't you do that for us? Well, woe to me is freezing, whether whatever they're doing, running, walking, trotting, whatever. If they're on point, you, you just need them to freeze. We don't want them to move. And I don't care if they move, you know, turn their head on woe or anything, but it's mainly just referring to their feet. I don't want them taking any steps when they're woed. Right. And so, that's it. Yeah, and to, to piggyback on that, the when I started thinking about this, I think that woe to me, it means that you can command your dog to stay stopped when it's stopped, to not move, okay? If maybe it came upon a, a bird and pointed that you can command that dog to stay in that position, or if the dog is already moving, to freeze, like what you're talking about. And... Um, a lot of people will say, look, woe means all four feet on the ground, yeah. okay? And that doesn't matter to me. I don't care if my dog woes with one leg up, whether it's the front or the back, as long as they stop. Yeah, and, that's it. And that's it. I mean, that's what's going to allow you to have those hunting opportunities yeah. that, that's not going to screw up a situation. 
So, and uh, I, I think what you're referring to is it seems like there's a disconnect. Well, not a disconnect. A difference difference of opinion with some people that they miss mix up woe with styling a dog's point. Right. And you're you're not you're not training a dog to point. Woe is just an obedience command. That's all it is. It's hey, stop, don't move. That's all it is. It's not you're not trying to style them up on point. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of veer off from what it's actually supposed to be and they worry about all the four, you know, paws on the ground, high tail, high head and it's, you know, to me that's not what woe is. That you you know, that's just getting into the styling. Yeah, the point style. Well, which is and that, you know, I don't want to go off on too big of a tangent here, but that Primarily, and, and my belief is that primarily comes from the lineage there and the, what style those those other dogs in that pedigree had. So we'll talk about that at some point. But um, the woe command is separate. It, yeah. it is a situation where if I if I if my dog's running full speed and I say woe, he's supposed to stop. Now most of the time, if my dog's running, then all four feet are going to be on the ground when he stops. I think it's just a momentum thing on that. You know, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I have noticed, you know, if I'm healing my dog and I tell him, whoa, he may have a foot up. And I think it's just because, hey, he's not got that momentum that's pushing him forward to put all four feet on the yeah. ground. So, you know, that's that's really, I guess, when I see, the, you yeah. know, four feet versus three feet and all that. To me, it's just stop. Yeah. Stop, freeze, and stand. Yep. Not seated not at a sit position <laughs> that's but standing yeah that's you know you can't argue that i mean when you when you teach dog woe we refer to this when you're considering teaching your dog sit at the, in the basic obedience deal it's you should never have a dog sitting on woe and right. and the thought behind that is dog might sit on point and blah 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 we've already covered that yep but uh yeah, so that that's how we're looking at woes. We're not talking about a pretty point or anything like that. It's stop, freeze, don't move. That's it. So let's go into scenarios of when that command would be applicable, okay? And then we'll start talking about how we teach it. Okay. Is that okay? That's so fine. what I'm talking about is... Um, you know, it's a it's for creating steadiness, right? Are we on the same page on that? Yeah. So, well, not creating, but reinforcing steadiness, helping helping prolong steadiness after a point's established. Yes. and before the flush. Yeah, you're not using woe to you don't woe a dog into a point. You're using woe after the point to reinforce how long you want them to stay there. Right, and so the, yeah. And also post flush, so after the flush, it's to make that dog stay in one position. Yeah, until that's that's the what fall I meant. Or the shot, whatever. What I meant, you want. however long yeah. you want it to stay there, that's that's what you're going to use to start breaking your dog to the level of steadiness that you want it to. Whether it's steady to wing, steady to shot, steady to fall, whatever. It's all based around woe, because all the corrections you're going to do is going to be to correct the woe command after they point, but you, you're not going to woe the dog into a point. Exactly. And I guess before we get started on the methods here, guys, there is, there's obviously other methods to help steadiness or to, to 
to encourage steadiness in more natural ways that aren't necessarily obedience commands, uh, which I'm just talking about, you know, just having bird contacts in a launcher where if the dog creeps in, you just pop the launcher and he should learn to naturally stay there longer, or he might push the bird or bump the bird, you know, um, same concept as well, just without a launcher, if you just lay a chucker or whatever bird you're using without dizzying it up, you lay it very lightly on the ground, and it should pop if the dog yeah. encroaches on it. Yeah, we're, we're not trying to confuse you guys. That We'll co- cover that you know a lot more in detail when we get to steadiness, but... Uh, but yeah, he's right. There, there's other ways to, to train steadiness other than, you know, using the woe. And, uh, but right now we're talking about woe. Let's do it. Let's get going. What's the, uh, what's the first method that you want to hit? Well, I mean, both of us kind of taught our dogs the same exact way. Unknowingly, this is before we even met and we just happened to do it the same way. It just made sense to both of us. And, uh, we did the walking woe or the healing woe, whichever way you want to call it. And uh, so when we were talking about a few weeks ago on the basic obedience is heal, and you're training heal, and that that goes directly into the woe training, you need to have a good, strong heal to train these dogs with woe and the method that we did it. Yeah, and this is where Nick was talking about last episode or the obedience episode you have to make sure you're finished with one command before you move on to the next. So absolutely, if you're going to use the, the walking woe or healing woe method, you need to have heal down 100%. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to be able to do this method if you don't. Right. So the, the basic uh, way to teach woe on the, the walking or healing uh, woe is, is you heal the dog and then... Uh, you well, first off, you have to set up the, the check cord correctly on them. Let you, hit on that for us. So you're going to have, essentially, you're making the dog into a suitcase. Just think of it that way. You're going to make a, a handle on that dog. You're going to have the, have the check cord attached to the collar at the neck, and then you're going to have a half hitch knot kind of deal around the, uh, the belly. And so you have a little handle made out of the check cord. It goes along the back of the dog. And this is going to save your back. Is You're going to have better control over the dog. And it provides just a little bit reinforcement on a new area on the dog. Everything that we've done up to this point has been taught kind of around the neck, especially if you're doing e-collar overlay with any of the other commands. This introduces a pressure point or reinforcement point on the belly of the dog. And... What that does, uh, a lot of people transition this into the belly collar, which we'll touch on here in a little bit too. When you have pressure going around the belly, the dog's natural uh, reaction is to go away from the pressure. And so when you have pressure on the belly, the opposite way is up, you know, so they're only, the only thing they have to do is just stop. They're not going to sit on it. They're not going to bolt. They're not going to do any of that. So you having the suitcase handle, quote, unquote, on this dog is going to give you better control over this dog at heel. And so that's what you're going to use to correct this dog, especially starting out. So talk about the movement here. So you're going to heel the dog. Yeah. And you just put them at heel, and you're just walking at heel, and then you stop and – 
there's kind of two different ways that people go about overlaying the command. Some people like to honestly get the dog to just stop on their own without using the woe command uh, for a couple times. I, I don't really understand that. I, to me, I would the way I did it was as soon as I stopped and the dog stopped, then I would say woe every time. And if they didn't stop, then you ju- you have the suitcase handle. You just kind of jerk up on it and it just pops them up and they freeze and you just whoa and then that's when you click or good boy good girl whatever you're using right so so it's about creating that movement yes and then when the dog naturally comes to a stop because you've stopped walking if it's healing beside you it will stop beside you at that point you can overlay that woe command right and and you know, let's talk about the next steps and extending that, and yeah. and just so, like what we talked about, I guess, yeah. in the obedience. Episode. A, n- a number of sessions of, is doing just that. You're just walking at heel, stopping, and you know the first few stops, first few sessions, it might be real quick. You just stop, good boy, click whatever, and keep walking a little bit. Do it again. Keep walking again. Do it again. And then after a few sessions, when they really start getting that, uh, you're going to start testing it out to where you'll use the command first to see if they'll stop. And, you know, it, when they start associating that command with the action, you'll start seeing that they're they're figuring it out. It doesn't take them real long to figure it out. And so you'll start using the command, and then they'll stop, and then you can start kind of taking a step away from them. You have the check cord, so it's like you extend your arm out, and you take a step away from them, and then they should stay there. If they move, you just pick them up with that suitcase handle, and you put them, you know, put them right back, and you're just, whoa, and you're not yelling, whoa, you're not strictly, whoa, you're not doing that. This is a very calm, direct, just, whoa. And that's a good point that you make there. We see some dogs that when woe is given, they may cower. They may they may look a little less confident after that command's given. So, you know, make sure it's a calming command that's given. It's not a correction, just like sit's not a correction. Right. You know? So, um, it's fine. Just, just say woe calmly yep. and just maintain that. Try to. And look, guys... I'll be the first to admit, if I'm in the field and scout or cash, they don't comply, I may, whoa, you know, real loud. Well, it that's, just that's different when you're in the field. You're not training them with that to where you don't have a next level to go to. Sometimes when you need to reinforce these commands. You got to get a little. You, you got to get a little forceful. Yeah. But if you're training with that level, you don't have yeah. another <laughs> level to go to. Yeah. Yes. So, um My point was, guys, is that, look, you want to train at that lower level, the calming level. That's the actual command, okay? And then, like what Nick's saying, when there's not compliance with that, you can go up an octave or two or a level. I don't even know if it's actually an octave, but you know what I'm saying. Get a little louder. It's like people and their kids. (laughs) You call a kid, they don't come, and next time it's a little more forceful, right? Right. One thing I want to mention with this, Nick talked about the – the suitcase um, lead. So w- I taught walking uh, whoa the the same way, but I did I didn't use the the suitcase. You you know a lot of people do use the suitcase. Well, do you want to finish the steps and process and then go back and change up the? 
we the pressure. Okay. If you want to do that, we can do that. I mean, it's at the end let's of the day. Let's just walk it through like one whole deal, let's and then you can say, okay, if you don't want to use a suitcase handle, then you can yeah, use fin- finish us out then, yeah. and we'll, I'll go back. So you know, when you get to the point to where you're taking a step away at arm's length and extending the time every time you stop, mind you, you're not when you're when you woe the dog, you're you're gonna have a release, whether it's okay, go on, all right. You need to have a consistent release just the same way you have the consistent command structure. And so when I'm doing this, when I you know, even at the very first one, I'm using my release every time we continue to walk. And so I you know, I use go on. Uh it was whoa, go on. Whoa, go on. And they start learning that. And so you're extending the time, and then you get to the point to where they start responding to the command themselves. That's when you know it's like, okay, let's take a step away. And then you're at arm's length, and then you can release them or whatever. You can start walking around them at arm's length. That way you, you still have hands on the suitcase handle. And then, you know, when they master that, eventually after a few sessions, you can start just dropping the check cord, the suitcase handle, and walking even further away. And in circles, back and forth. Don't keep doing the same thing because then they learn to anticipate your movements. And then you're just gradually building up the freedom, if you will, for them to make a mistake. And you still have the check cord tied around them, so if you need to move them back, you can. But you're just gradually building up, building up, building up until eventually you just have them dragging the check cord and you woe them and they should stop. If not, you go get them and you put them back to where they were at when you called, you know, said, whoa. When you get to this point, that's kind of when I put the e-collar on them to start overlaying the e-collar. Uh, I don't, I didn't mess with the belly band. I just used it around the neck and just used it to reinforce because at that point, they know what it is. So I'll give them the whoa. If they keep moving, then I'll, you know, just give them a quick nick or a vibrate and they should stop. And, uh, yeah, that's when, when I move on and start taking the check cord away and they should be, be good to go on. Whoa. I mean, at, at least have a good, strong foundation to keep building off of. And, it. and what do you do? So you, you've got the e-collar at that point yeah. on the dog. And I'm assuming at this point, that's when you would start testing the woe command when they're out, maybe searching or, or just doing something in the yard so that you could then reinforce that. Well, that I was doing that with them just dragging the check cord at first. And so, you know, I had them dragging the check cord while wearing the e-collar. I didn't have the e-collar on. And then you eventually just take the check cord off and you just have the e-collar. Right. And and it's baby steps. You're not doing this. You're not starting off and like, okay, we're healing and I'm introducing what woe means. And then two sessions later you have them on an e-collar, you know, 30 yards away yelling woe at them. It's a gradual thing, just like everything else, like the obedience process we talked about. You just baby step it on up, and if done right, it really doesn't take that long. If you're doing, you know, a couple sessions a day, just ten minutes a day, it it really doesn't take, you know, a week, week and a half, something like that. Uh, with mine, I did. I would say on both, I hate putting time frames on stuff. You know, yeah. obviously, guys, you're gonna have to gauge this on where the dog's at, but three weeks I would say on mine to where I went all the way from the beginning of woe to on an e-collar and and you know 
full compliance outside where I could where he could be searching and looking around and um, I could woe him and, and he would stop and be able to reinforce if he didn't stop. And I should mention that that was with cash. As I stated in the uh, earlier podcast with Scout, I did the, the e-collar reinforcement a little later um, with him, but he was pretty compliant even without the e-collar on woe. Yeah. So um, that's, I guess that's really when when you're, when you're, Finished with that command is when you can get that full compliance when they're off lead, out searching at various uh, distances away from you. Yeah. So, well, and it's, it's worth noting, even at this point, if you don't have 100% confidence in that command, I'm not, you're not going to use the command without a way to reinforce it. So, you know, say you're not doing a training session, but they're just out in the yard and you just want to test it, don't test it. Like if you don't have confidence that dog is ready for for something like that, you don't do it. And I mean, and, and really, that's important to do to know around birds. You, you don't want to start yelling "whoa" with the dog around a bird, for, and them 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 not really respect that command. And then all you're doing is teaching that dog to blow off that command. Right. So it's better just get that hunt that command a hundred percent before you start doing it around birds or even absolutely. at a distance. Yeah, absolutely. So let me go back real quick. You were talking about the suitcase handle uh, with the lead. So I didn't do that. What I did was just the regular lead to the neck and um, and the same exact steps that Nick used. I just used a, a regular lead, and then I went to um, a 30-foot lead and was able to do stuff as far as get further distance away and everything with the longer lead like that. So it was the same thing. If I ever needed to reinforce that and get the dog to, you were talking about being able to pick up that suitcase handle and move the dog to where he should have or she should have woed and stayed there originally, I would just grab underneath the dog and just physically move the dog yeah. back. So it was the same exact thing, guys, except you can also do this without the half uh, or without the suitcase handle as well. Yeah. So you get the same result, just like we said, there's different ways to do this yeah. thing. Same exact method, just a little nuance, and everything's a little different. You know, I prefer just saving my back. I mean, that's really all the suitcase handles for. Uh, it does give you that little pressure point if you wanted. If you had that dog that you kind of needed to transition to a belly collar, you already have a little bit of that just introduction to a pressure point there that kind of just works its way into the belly collar that which is kind of nice but if you're not going to do the belly collar there you don't have to worry about that really for sure for sure so you feel like we covered that yeah let's do the next one what's the next one whichever one you want to talk about (laughs) (laughs) we can talk about um so if anybody is uh, that's listening to this as a member of NAVDA, I'm sure you've probably read the green book. The woe table. The old woe table. Yeah. The table work. Yep. Um, it, you know, the table is essential when you are doing a lot of things with a dog. But as we've said, you don't have to have it to no. teach woe. This is just another way to do it, guys. The table allows you to be able to get better control over the dog and and uh, just a, a better handle on hey, the dog. Again, just just like I was referring to with the, the suitcase handle, it saves your back. It gets them higher. It gets them off the ground. Uh, some people will say that the dogs seem to have a more more 
tendency to pay attention. It's unfamiliar, so they're going to pay attention to you a little bit more because they're they're off the ground. They're on a table, and so they're you know more at your level. But uh, really, the table it's very similar to our method because ideally, the the way that Nav does tables, you know, look they have two slopes on each end, so you have a ramp up and a ramp down, and these people are healing the dogs up the ramp. They'll woe them on top of the table, and then they'll release them and heal them or recall them off the other side of the table. And this table may be two to three feet high. It's yeah. not very tall. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it's really, the method is similar because you're just creating movement yeah. and getting that that stop and yes. then being able to overlay the and, command. And that's the key to, to, in our eyes, the stuff that makes sense to us for this woe training. It's creating movement so that you can then stop the movement and the dog associates exactly what you want, which is stopping movement. And that, to me, is the most important part of woe. Yeah. Guys, so like, obviously we said, or at least my interpretation of this is, woe is for once the dog is stopped, you can say that command and not allow him to move anymore. But most importantly, when he's moving, you can say that command and make him stop absolutely so creating the movement getting that natural stop and then being able to overlay the command yeah that's so all that it they is. get that association and so the table is really just the first few steps you're just doing it on the table is all it is you're just healing them up the table and down the table and then they transition down to the ground just, just same exact steps and process that we did the only difference was we just didn't use a table so they th- when nick's talking about this he's meaning they heal him up on the table and they stop on the table and then they overlay the woe command on the stop yeah and then and then that way you know off. they can walk around the table they can do whatever that and the so the major difference in the woe table is when you get done with this, a lot of people like to incorporate birds with, with this woe training. Uh, you know, if people have pigeons, they'll just have pigeons and they'll, you know, woe the dog and they'll, they'll throw the pigeon or something. Uh, some people call it, you know, bombing bir- dogs with pigeons. It's, uh, it's really up to you. I didn't really necessarily do any of that. Uh, I, I did do it with just bumpers and, and, dummies just throwing it around just making sure that she knew that she's not supposed to break but some people like doing that with live birds and so that the way that the green book and navda people you know what they'll do is they'll rig up a little small cage or bird box with a live bird in it and so when they get done with woe they go back to the table after they've already done everything on the ground so they start with the table go to the ground now they're back on the table they're going to woe the dog on the table and then lower that bird box or cage off in front of the dog. And the dog is to still obey the woe command on the table with the bird distraction in front of them. Right. And the table, and, and it, again, just allows you to have better control over the yeah. situation. Yeah. And that's why they elect to do it that yeah. way. So it's very similar in a lot of ways. You can still accomplish everything that the table has on the ground and vice versa. Everything that the ground has to offer, you can do on the table. So the, really the question is, do you want to build a table or someone give you a table or buy a table, whatever? Like that's really the only question about the table. Like it's really not that big of a difference from what we did. So what, what's the next uh, method that you have down over there? I wrote down woe post. The woe post. This, uh, you know, people that do this, they swear by it. 
Yeah. I haven't done it myself. I've seen one person doing it. I've read numerous books about about people doing this. I've read numerous articles and seen some YouTube videos. It I mean, I see where it makes sense. Uh to me, I I think you're adding, you know, another not a step to it, but just another thing that you need in the yard uh for the dog but from what i understand is a lot of dogs that you know have a hard time catching on to the table or or the healing woe sometimes they need the post they need to disassociate some of the correction away from you and onto something else and that's what the the post really specializes in is the dog isn't necessarily getting corrected by you it's it's just naturally getting stopped by a post so explain that to everyone as far as what the setup is, what you need. I mean, I, I can tell you the post that Nick is talking about, it's most of the, it doesn't have to be a post, but the, the you can use a tree. If yeah. You I mean, to. you can use any a just vertical, stationary yeah, object, a vertical thing coming from the ground that you can tie the dog to. Right. So you have a post that is in the ground. Yeah. You have a lead that is connected to that post yeah. that is connected to a collar that is on the and, neck and, of the dog. Well, some people even do the half hitch on the belly at the same yeah, time. We, too. Can, we'll, we can talk about yeah. that. I think let's do like we did when I was talking yeah. about the leash for, for my healing at the end of this thing. So just to keep it simple, the normal yeah. way is that people have a lead from the post to a collar on the neck. Yeah. And then you also have, or, or excuse me, I say, you have a post, then you have a lead that's connected to a collar on the neck. Then you also have a lead that you have in your hand as the handler that's a shorter lead that's connected to a different collar that's on the so neck. So you have of the two dog. collars and two leads. Yeah. So Going that very two wordy explanation <laughs> is what Nick just said. <laughs> to so sum it up, two collars, two leads. There you go. Both on the neck. Yeah. So take it from there. So you have the long check cord attached to the post tree pole whatever whatever the heck you have in the yard truck truck yeah i I mean anything stationary uh so then you're out in front of the dog and you don't you're not healing them necessarily but you're using that other lead in front of them to again create the movement that you're going to use uh for the dog to freeze and teach the dog and so you're you know pulling them along recalling them whatever and they're moving away from the post, and then when they get to the end of that check cord, there's nowhere else for them to go, but it's going to stop them. Right, the check cord that's attached to the post. Yes, and so the post is the one stopping the dog, and at that point is when you overlay the command as well. It's the natural stop to where you can overlay the woe, and then with enough reps, yeah, the dog will understand once that woe means stop, basically. Yeah. And it, it is good because, again, the dog isn't associating every correction or uh, stoppage with you because you're out in front of them. They see you. You're not stopping them. Uh, another benefit, real quick, uh, talking about this method that a lot of the old-timer trainers will talk about is it gets the dog really used to pressure on the neck, stopping their movement. And this helps when you're on a chain gang. So when you have multiple dogs uh, on a chain gang and you're traveling with, you know, 5, 10, 15 dogs going on a long road trip and you need to chain them up or at a field trial or something, uh, all the dogs on those chain gangs can pull and annoy all the other dogs 
on that chain gang. And so it just really makes them real sensitive to just stopping anytime there's pressure around the neck. So and that's just a side benefit to this that some of the old-timer guys will talk about. But uh, that's that's really it. I mean, that's – Well, talk about the transition then off of the post. Yeah. Because that's, that's obviously the end game. Yeah. So a lot of the people, what I was referring to earlier, instead of just doing the check cord from the post to the neck collar, they'll do the half hitch around the belly. And a lot of the people that do the uh, the woe post, they will do a belly collar. Uh for, for that pressure point on the belly just to reinforce once they get off of the post because that's where the pressure point is. Uh, some people will still try and just do the e-collar around the neck, but from what I've talked to, the people I've talked to, is most of them seem to just do the belly collar once they leave the post. But, again, it's just baby steps. You're not taking them off the post and that check cord until you're you're confident that the dog knows what the, what the command means and what it – you know, it's what's expected of them. Right. So it's, at some point throughout that process, uh, needless to say, you're going to give that command when they're not at the end of the rope. Just and they're, they're going to stop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's when you should be able to move on to the next yeah. step. It, the next step and gr- gradually, you know, you still want to only take one piece away at a time. Uh, you're still going to let them have the check cord on but dragging it this time there's no post that time so you know you're still only taking one thing away you're not immediately afterwards you know if if they got it down with the post you may want to just take the short leash that you have away to you know to call them away from the post and then untie the check cord from the post and then that way they're dragging it and then after that take that away and you have the e-collar you know, you still have ways to correct the dog, but you're not taking away all forms of control from the dog immediately because then that's just when when you get bad results. Right. So, um, yeah, this is one that, that – so I have uh, not – I did not teach my dog this way. I have never actually seen somebody other than on YouTube and, and different – training books you know that have uh, talked about doing it like this but it seems to be a little more popular with field trialers and horseback trialers for whatever reason i'm not sure why i don't think it really lends itself directly to it i think it's just just more in that circuit of guys that uh you know when when you get into something you're gonna ask the guys that doing everything all the games that you play and the hunting that you do you're just how we did it yeah i mean you know we you're going to ask the people that you're around anyway. And so if you're asking people that do the woe post, you're going to learn by doing the woe post. So what I was getting at there, guys, since Nick and I, we both didn't do this. We, this, we, we think we have a pretty good understanding on this, but Hey, this is one of those deals. If you think that we didn't explain it correctly, shoot us a message and we can correct it on the next podcast or whatever. But it's a, it's a method that is out there for you guys to look at and uh, realize if maybe one or the other uh, one of the other methods is not working, you have another option. I'd like to give it a shot one day just to just compare the the methods, just find out if it's you know what the hype is about it. Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. So um, I have the belly collar listed next. Yeah. So the belly collar again, you're not you don't use e collars to train dogs who use the e-collars to reinforce it. And that's the same whether you're using it on the neck or the belly. 
so like we were talking about earlier, you need to introduce the correction or pressure on the belly before you go strapping an, an e-collar to the belly. Me and you both have seen uh, one guy in particular. I doubt he listens to it, but we're not going to say any names anyway. The the uh, the guy that just strapped the belly collar to his short hair and it it did not (laughs) he didn't get very desirable results in the field that day we saw this guy he he he's he's a big guy and he was getting drugged by that dog by a check cord through that field and he got drugged what 45 50 yards before uh the other guy uh norm he had the other neck collar he had neck collar and belly collar he's getting blasted just continuous shock full steam and that dog just would not stop this is why it's imperative that the dog kind of needs to be able to associate the pressure on the belly before you just strap a belly collar to them and turn it on so this goes back guys to uh you know not being not having your dog learning whoa for the first time on birds in the field and just strapping a belly collar on them saying all right, well, I'm going to try to make you stay in this one spot, you yeah. know. So uh, I think what what Nick was getting at earlier was, hey, you need to put this collar on the dog before the field and give that stimulation to the dog and allow that dog to understand that when I stand still because of the stimulation, then it will be shut off, you yeah. know. And so um, it's a way – to give the stimulation, and, and let's talk about this too. The positioning of the belly collar is one of the reasons that it works well for people that are training this way for the woe command. So they'll put the prongs facing up on the yeah. belly of that dog, and when stimulation is given, that dog will move away from that, which is, in this instance, to stand, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what I was referring to earlier with that half hitch around the belly. This is all, all this is an extension of that. It's like the electronic version of the half hitch. That's it. That's all <laughs> that's all it is. And so if if you do any of the half hitch, whether it was with the the table or the healing woe that we were talking about, you start with the half hitch and do the suitcase handle like I was talking about, your dog already has a little association with a little discomfort in that area. And then you can just naturally start doing, you know, moving in, into the belly collar. Same thing with the woe post. You, if you have that half hitch uh, with it, it's going to have that familiarization. So you're, you're moving to it, and it's not completely unfamiliar territory to it. And it's not just going to freak out and drag you across the field like it did one, that one guy we were talking about. Right. So um, I I do want to say I believe there are some folks that are out there that will teach with the will will try and use the e-collar to actually teach the dog the woe command without having done the half hitch or anything before. And and that's just with that stimulation. And then the dog understanding when I stop, the stimulation goes off and then doing enough reps of that and having enough positive association with, hey, I get to go, you know, I get to be released and go search after this that you can then take that into the field and transition that into the field to be able to use the e-collar and, you know, just get them on birds like that. I mean, I think that that's the – some people – I didn't want to go without saying that some people, I believe, use that e-collar solely to teach that command with the belly strap. So So you're saying that they don't use it for anything else besides that? Well – 
Um, I think what I was trying to get at is is that there's no they didn't do the 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 half hitch or anything beforehand. Oh no, you know? they'll they'll just slap it on and just see what the heck happens. But I th- I, th- I think that some people are successful if they do it. Well, with some, some people are gonna be successful with everything, but the vast majority, I would highly recommend. If you're not going to do the half hitch, you don't have to, but at least have a check cord or have the dog in a closed-in, maybe fenced-in area. So the first time you use that, it's just not bolting because it's like the guy we saw that just strapped it on at that training day and used it. There was no stopping that dog. That dog, that was the first time that that had happened. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about if they've done it and they have, uh, you know, Obviously, it's not the first time in the field. If you put that on the dog for, and you've done, you're just you saying know, for commands. reinforcement periods. Well, I'm I'm saying from the beginning, there I believe there are some people out there that will say you don't need to go through all the other steps that we've talked about. That you can put low stem, continuous stem on a dog, and with that prong collar or with the uh, with the prong spacing up on that e collar, and yeah. it will naturally make that dog stand, and you shut the pressure off. When, when they stand and yeah. if you do that enough and then overlay that command that you can then take that out to the field without having done the other things and be able to get a continuous stem if the dog does not comply you can give that continuous stem and they associate and will stop yeah so you're just saying sum all that up you're just saying some people use it to teach instead of just reinforce yes yeah and i think the argument and there is is that it's a shorter, faster way to try and to get to the end result. We're not, I'm not here to knock it. All I know is, just like I was saying a second ago, the only guy I've seen do that, there was no stopping that dog, and that was with a neck collar, <laughs> belly collar, and a check cord dragging a 300-pound guy. He didn't do that because that we just said that was like we think the first time that he had put that But that's what you're talking dog. about. I'm talking about before you get the dog in the field. What? You, you, oh, before you yeah. Get, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you get that – uh, you teach, I guess, with the e collar. Then, yeah. um, I, I still, I still say whether you're doing it in the yard or the field, it it doesn't matter. I would advise at least have a check cord on that dog, yeah, just to make sure because we, I mean, that what you're saying is right. Like, yeah, we are out there in a field with birds, so that could have changed it up. But the first time that you use, even on the neck you should have the dog in a fenced in area or a check cord at least because some dogs just bolt. I mean, it's, you know, they don't know how to respond to that, that stimulation, especially if you have it set too high, which you should not have when you're first introducing the e-collar, but some dogs just bolt. And, you know, I would highly advise that you have some kind of, some kind of measure to control that dog in case it, you know, that's, that's that dog's makeup. Yeah, I didn't mean to go down a rabbit hole there, but I just, you know, I think I just wanted to say there were some other ways to do this. But one thing that, um, the one of the reasons, and I think you know, you and I talk about this all the time about why do people even need a belly collar to begin with? You yeah. know, we obviously use different methods, and and um, so there was a reason why we didn't use a belly collar. One reason for me is that. I don't want to have to train my dog or have a, my dog uh, have a belly collar on while I'm hunting, you know? And well, so a and lot of these guys, they have to transition off of that, that pressure around the belly to the neck anyway. Well, and that, that's just, it, it's, 
when people train with the belly collar, when they're done, they're transitioning to the neck anyway. So they're not they're not done with the dog only responding to the to the belly collar. They're only done when it's transitioned to the neck anyway. So I, I mean that's and, what that's what I mean this the correct thing I guess well, if yeah. you're using that. But I mean I've seen people hunting with dogs oh, with yeah. belly collars. Well, you know, I I'm reading Craig Doherty's book, uh, Building a Grouse Dog right now. And he talks about uh he he trains his dog, whoa. And he only resorts to the uh, belly collar if it's a really strong-headed dog that just doesn't respond to the other methods. And so uh, then he might have the belly collar on while hunting, but the goal is still to eventually get away from the belly collar while hunting. But that's just for a really strong-minded dog that their instinct is to chase. And some dogs have that instinct, and you ha- you have to break it from them. And some dogs are just going to respond to that belly collar a lot quicker and uh, more enthusiastically, I guess you could say, than the neck collar. Yeah. So that cool. that's all there is to it. It's it's nothing wrong. Any of these methods, I I'm intrigued by all of them to a certain extent. I do the next dog. I do want to kind of change it up and train another method just to compare, just to see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so far I've done two dogs with the, with the walking woe and it was easy and made sense and it's just worked great for us. Created the movement and got them to stop. Yeah. You know, well, we probably shouldn't beat a dead horse on the belly collar anymore. <laughs> so. Now that we've confused probably half our listeners. Yeah. Look, like, what the hell was that? You can <laughs> see, you can see Nick and I will talk about this stuff and it's like, We'll get in these little arguments where it's like, no, I know people do it this way. Yeah. And I don't know why people do it that way other than what I can assume. But, hey, you know, it is what it is. I wanted to get it out there for yeah. everybody. Um, the next note that I have here is the old gun dog uh, method, the wing on a string. Oh, yeah. And I, and I actually think uh, – <laughs> so I, I was like, man, I want to – read the old gun dog book, the Walters book and uh, the classic book that, you know, even old timer Bill, this is what he learned from. So, so this is the book growing up that we always had in the house. My dad got this in the seventies and, uh, he kept it and I've got it in my house now. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why I chose to do the walking woe. Okay. is cause when I was uh, growing up and we had the litter of puppies there, um, we used the wing on a string, you know, early on, and uh, it was, I mean, really, it, it didn't do whole, a whole <laughs> bunch for us. So that's one of the reasons, and um, I'm not saying he did it right or we did it right or wrong or whatever. It's just I wanted to do something different because yeah. I'd seen it before. Well, this method, it's not so much the wing on the string that really sh- shies away from me on it. It's the... Uh the the running and scaring of the dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, we need to back up. In the book, if you guys have ever read it, they talk about how they initially teach that woe command and then how they uh, basically get the dog to understand that you're going to put it, use it on birds is with the wing on the string. But in the book, it says you teach the dog to sit, you teach the dog to stay, you teach the dog to come. After they got those commands down, and I, y'all read the book. I don't want to, you know, I could be... Um, 
misquoting you're a little not, bit. You're but You're fine. <laughs> after you say sit and you get the dog to stay, you then tell the dog to come. And then when the dog is running at you, coming to you, you jump at it and yell, whoa. And you run at the throw dog, your hand hands up. in the air, yelling, whoa. And your mission is to scare that dog into freezing. Scare the hell out of it. Yeah. And that dog will stop. So once that's done, at that point... It's uh, the the book basically says, "Hey, just get the uh, wing on a string out, and then go ahead and use that woe command once, uh, you know, once you've done that initial yeah. teaching of woe." Yeah, and I, I mean the wing on the string again. I don't have an issue with that. It seems a li- seems a little old school. Uh, seems like you'd be doing a lot more repetitions than what you probably need. Uh, and again, you're not necessarily creating the movement to stop the movement, if that makes sense. Uh, I think eventually it, it it'll work, and obviously, generations of guys have used it. So it, you know, it's like, who are we to say that that doesn't make any sense? I, my main hiccup on that is to introduce the command. You're running at the dog like a jackass, yelling "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" and trying to With scare the, the dog. With the intent to scare the dog. Yeah, that that you know. You want the dog enthusiastic and to enjoy its work, and then this is really built upon you scaring the crap out of the dog. Which is freezing. the opposite of what we were talking about <laughs> earlier, where you don't want it to be a scary command. Right. But, you know, hey, the wing on the string, you know, Bill still uses it to this day. Uh, a couple other people we know use it to this day. It works. I've never personally talked to anybody that's tried scaring the crap out of their dog to teach them woe. But, uh, well, you know... It, I have, it's funny reading this book and then having, have, I've now hunted with my dad, obviously, and seeing how that book, I think, molded how he, how he did things. Yeah. And heck, we may have him as a guest on here at some point, but, yeah. uh, it's, that'll it's, be a trip of an episode right yeah, there. It's funny. You know, he, he used to tell me stories that back in the day with the wild birds, this is how he taught Whoa. He would, if he wasn't using this method we're talking about, he would just wait until that dog busted a covey of quail <laughs> and then grab the dog by the neck and the tail and lift him up chest high and say, whoa, yep. you know, and set the dog down and pick him up chest high level again, set him down, whoa, you know, <laughs> and I swear to you, he would say that if he did that two to three times, uh, like if the dog busted two to three coveys and he did that sequence two to three times, that the dog was woe broke. Yep. You know, that's that's one of the methods that, that he used. Oh, yeah. So um, it's just funny, man, reading these books and then oh, now the being able to apply. Old school methods are great, man. It's some of that stuff I, I, I eat up. But, yeah, as far as woe is concerned, it's, uh, you know, maybe a couple other methods have been uh, improved upon since then. But That's right. So let's talk about the last method here that I've got listed. That's the old barrel method. The barrel method. Tell us your thoughts. Well, again, th- this is what, this is the one we were talking about at the start of this. Guys, like, I know that there are some people out there that swear by this barrel. And I'm not to sit I'm not sitting here and saying that it's as garbage. I, however, this is just me personally speaking, you know. I don't I'm not a professional. I'm I'm not king of the universe or anything. I don't understand the the barrel. I have tried. I have listened to numerous people try and tell me the purpose of it. I've read about it. I've watched videos on it. It just doesn't make a lick of sense to me whatsoever. 
The only thing I can think of that the barrel does good for is styling a point. And it seems like the barrel, is it's really still with some of these old school guys, maybe some trialers that really, they prioritize some of the, the pointer's style and high tail, high, high uh, head stuff. But, I mean, hey, even dogs get hurt doing the barrel. It, you know, we saw on Instagram, uh, what was it, a few days ago, Bird Dog Doc even put up a post. The dog is standing on an uneven barrel. It's not natural to them. It just jacks up their feet and their ankles. It, it's To me, I've, I've been trying to learn the purpose of the barrel because it has been a staple for so long. But like I said at the start of this, it has to make sense for me to be want to want to try and do this. And I see I see benefits in everything in every method that we've talked about, including the wing on the string. There there's certain aspects that you can take away from it. I just can't come up with a single positive from the barrel other than styling your dog. Yeah, the only other thing that I would add to that is I could see if I could see it be, being beneficial to I guess, test your dog's understanding of the woe command after it's already established by putting him on a new surface or something. You, Of course, he's not moving. You have to set him up right. there. And then giving the and woe the, command. And, and the whole purpose of woe, like we've said a million times, is you create the movement to then stop the movement so they associate the stopping of the movement with the command. Right. And that's that's our purpose, though. That's, yeah. that's the deal. That's our definition right. of this. And so that's where it makes sense how we are reasoning this. Yeah. You know, you want the movement and you want them to be able to understand I'm supposed to stop when I'm moving. Right. You know, the whole issue here and our problem with it is, is you have to physically put the dog on the barrel and the dog is just standing there when you are teaching the woe command. Well, I mean, you know, some of the dogs, they'll jump up there and some of the dogs, they learn to enjoy it because they're getting praised and it's just like, it's fun. It's everything that they, but guys like don't, don't confuse your dog enjoying something with it being productive training. Uh, I mean, it, Ouch. The, the barrel. Well, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not trying to. I'm trying to be as nice as I can about this. And guys, seriously, if you're one of the guys that do the barrel, I want to know that the only thing that I've been told uh, that this does is it teaches the dog how to have all four feet on the ground. Well, if that's your purpose, what better way to teach your dog to have feet on the ground than having feet on the damn ground? With them walking. And creating the movement and then stopping the movement. You can style a point on a dog after they're on point on a bird, you can always go back in style. And, you know, I think, I think I would have a much better attitude about the barrel if they just called it what it was. And it's not a woe barrel. It's just a styling barrel. Well, and, and another thing is maybe we don't understand how often people are supposed to actually use the barrel. You know, what I, mean, I understand is they're using it day in, day out. I know, and, and maybe that's not the right way to be maybe. doing it either. I mean, is that, seen, is that I, I can see, my point is, is I can see it being like a secondary way to reinforce a woke command on yeah. a new service to do that. And maybe doing it 
a couple times. Well, if you're going to do that, we've seen the guys, you know, they'll use the plank. You yeah. Know, it's just a, a one by six or a two by six, but at least it's flat and you also have that cable going across the plank and it's long to where you can still create the movement. You can stop the movement. You can walk around it. The barrel is just you have the dog on an uneven level that it's never going to be on. I'm not interested in teaching the dog how to balance. I'm interested in teaching the dog to freeze. It, 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 well, and it could be, you know, we see people using pigeons or chuck or whatever, throwing them in front of the dog on a yeah. barrel, you know, yeah. and it could be that it's similar to like the woe table where you just are yeah. up and you have control, yeah. you know, at that, at that time. But I think that's where, you know, the mix up is for me is that, is that how you're primarily teaching that command? And then how do you transition that? to the ground to if you're not it. actually moving when you're teaching the dog that. Yeah. And then on top of that, I mean, I, I just, you just, to me, I wouldn't do it every day. You know, it's yeah. something that, that you throw in two to three times just to mix it up. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be too harsh. I mean, like I said, I've gone out of my way to try and understand this. If I'm still missing something, please, like I said, shoot us an email or a private message or something and let us know because I, I really want to know because I'm having a kind of a difficult time understanding why something has been around for so long uh, for, quote-unquote, a method to teach woe when, to me, it's not really teaching woe other than just, you know, high tail, high head and styling them. And you still have to, you know, get that dog to associate what woe means once you get on the ground. It just, it, it's just not clicking for me. Yeah. Well, obviously, guys, we don't, we don't have all the answers. We and don't. I, I mean, this stuff just, it's interesting to us, yeah. you know. And if y'all have anything to add, definitely shoot us a message or an email. Um, I think that yeah. we've, we've hit the main methods on doing this. Yeah. Unless you got something else you want to add. No. And I mean, again, if you, if you're a barrel guy, I'm not trying to piss you off. I know Austin's not trying to piss you off, but we really have gone out of our way trying to, trying to understand that. And we, and we don't know it all. Uh, I would still like to hear your thoughts on why, why you think that the barrel is a good way to teach. Whoa. Uh, if you have them, shoot it to us. But, uh, you know, we're not here to offend anybody or knock anybody's way of training. There's a million different ways to do this. It just, to us, it's just got to make sense. And for a few years now, it's just nobody's been able to make it make sense to us. That's all there is to it. Yeah, and, you know, full disclosure on that, too, for the few years that we've been doing it, we don't really have any close buddies that do that method either to explain it to us. Yeah. So it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I, I know, you know, we're running long here. Uh, timing wise on the woe, we didn't, we probably should have touched on this at the very start. Uh, every trainer has a different way of looking at this. A lot of trainers don't even teach woe the first season. So don't feel like you have a dog that, you know, just because they're five or six months old that you have to teach it to woe. A lot of the mo more successful trainers in the history of this, this world ha hadn't taught woe until their second season. I know, uh, Delmar Smith is that way. He doesn't touch a dog at, at all until they're a year old. And then uh, Craig Doherty in his book, he doesn't teach woe until their second season. It's it's really up to you. I prefer having a woe on my dog because I would like to st start studying up the dog 
as soon as I can. But there is something to be said for maturity on the dog, being ready to learn it. And uh, so just don't feel like you have to rush into woe if you don't feel like you're ready for it. And to add to that, it's not – if your dog isn't woe trained and he chases, you know, after the flush – that's not something that is going to be permanent, you know. I mean, don't think that it's something that you can't uh, that you that you can't correct by waiting till the second season to to do the woe command yep. and introduce that steadiness after yep. the flush. It, it, We've I the mean, most the most important thing with these dogs is finding game, is finding birds. Yeah, everything else after that is churching it up and refining them. And woe is one of those things. That, while it is very important, especially to study them up. I would I would much rather have a dog, you know, a year year and a half old that's never been, you know, never had the word woe mentioned to them, but has a hell of a yeah, nose and birds. can find birds, and then a dog that knows what woe is and won't venture out and doesn't know what a bird is. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's don't feel like if your dog doesn't know what woe is and it's eight ten months old whatever, don't feel like that you're behind the schedule because you're not. You can you can introduce it at any time yeah so that that's just how we look at it do we have anything else any other i have nothing nothing i'm out all right uh social media guys seriously help us out if you like us at all or don't like us and you want to tell us why uh come give us a follow instagram facebook uh we want to see what you guys are doing we want to see your training sessions. Tag us. If you're doing an Instagram story or Instagram post, tag us at Gundog It Yourself. We would love to see that. And uh, Facebook, you know, we, we're constantly putting up little little training questions and stuff in the story. We want to get people's opinions. We kind of want to see, you know, we're just down here. We haven't been doing this very long. We don't know everything. So we want to get people's inputs on stuff. And uh, so give us a follow. Like us. Rate us. Review us. And uh, just let us know what, what you like. Absolutely. All right. We appreciate y'all listening. All right, guys. Have a good one. See you. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.